I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is the Bucs season on the line and is Jim McElwain's job in jeopardy? All that more on this football Friday. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We've got all you need to get you ready for a big weekend of college and pro football. FSU cranks it up on Friday night at Boston College. USF hosts Houston on Saturday and also on Saturday the big rivalry game, Florida, Georgia. We'll get on we'll get into all those games in just a little bit. But we start right here in Tampa Bay Sunday afternoon. Bucks host Carolina and Rick. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Season is on the line right here. A loss, forget the postseason. They wouldn't be mathematically eliminated, of course. But at two and five, you might as well pack it in because your season's done. Well, if it's not done, it's it's certainly circling the drain. I would agree with that. And I would also say that you, at that point, if you're the Bucks, you would have lost four games in a row. And to lose four games in a row in this league is hard by any measurement, unless you're the Cleveland Browns, and, and they're not. But, um, you know, this team, th- this is a big game for, for not just the standings, which is obvious. I mean, their next two games – are you know against the divisional foes? They play, of course, Carolina on Sunday. Then they go to New Orleans, which is currently leading the division. Every team in the NFC South has spent at least one week leading the division, including the Bucks at one and zero. They were tied, um, but that's sort of how you know cyclical it has been. And as they all start knocking each other off and playing each other, I, I really believe this is the year that maybe ten games, maybe even nine games, um, something John Gruden did twice, will win the division. But you're not going to get there because you're running out of games. I mean, we'll be, we'll be, you know, if you're the Buccaneers, seven games into it, um, you know, some teams will be halfway through their season. So, uh, you know, division races are usually decided in November and, and uh, December. But I've seen many teams, many Bucks teams, not make it to Halloween. And that's what this feels like if they lose this game, that they were eliminated not before Thanksgiving but before Halloween. We're seeing just little tidbits after a three-game losing streak, Rick. And and we'll get into T.J. Ward sort of backing away from his comments a little bit. But his comments, and then Miko Grimes talking about her husband, Brent, looking like he's starting to wonder about what's going on. They get to four losses in a row, and you think you've seen it bad up until now. It gets even worse. Now people start looking around. You start wondering, okay, is this guy going to survive it? And Is the GM going to get fired? Is the coach going to get fired? Two and five is an ugly number. And the thing that I think is is so shocking, Rick, is that if you'd have told me a year ago they're going to be two and five uh, last season, in 2016, I would have said, mm, okay, I could maybe understand it. I didn't see this coming. I didn't see two and four coming, to be honest with you. I uh, two and Two and four felt like, boy, things must have really gone wrong the first six games. I thought maybe 10 games into the season they'd be like seven and three. That, that, that's, not, they, there's no way they can even get there at this point. Right. Um, it's a big disappointment. And, you know, it just goes to show you that talent alone doesn't win in the National Football League. And I'm, I'm questioning now just really how much talent they have on the defensive side of the ball, uh, particularly the defensive line. Look, this is a position that wasn't overly addressed in the last four years uh, by the Bucks, uh, short of, uh, you know, Noah Spence, who 
You know, I said before the season, Tom, Noah Spence was going to be the key to their defense, perhaps, because they, they had not really developed an edge rusher, and he was a guy that played one-armed last year, got five-and-a-half sacks, is a tough tough as nails to play with, with that shoulder injury, the torn labrum that he had, but he was able to harness it up, and they kept it from popping out again. Well, the same thing happened this year, you know, in, in the second game against Minnesota, only this time uh, it did keep popping out, and so he had to, had to stop playing, and... The problem is you have no one behind him. I mean, Robert Ayers has, you know, had had his one sack last week, but one sack through six games, if you're a starter with that many rush opportunities, is really not productive. Um, we've gotten, you know, uh, where the Bucks have actually seen no sacks from Will Golston. Their defensive ends aren't getting pressure, so they're at a crisis from a defensive standpoint in that they cannot affect the passer. You know, Mike Smith uh, tried this three-three-five, three-down lineman. That actually uh, took away the one, you know, the one element they had, which is a good straightaway get off by Gerald McCoy. And I asked him about it. I think he took some heat inside the building because I think he was sort of, you know, after the speech by Cutter, linked with um, guys like T.J. Ward and, um, you know, and then uh, Chris Baker, who kind of popped right. off about lack of playing time. And that really wasn't the case with with Gerald, but. I mean, I think I think it's a grab bag at this point. I think Mike Smith doesn't know what he can do because he just can't get anything going with the front four, and so therefore he has to be really selective and and you know uh, with the run blitzes and 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 then the pass defense isn't good on the back end. So right now they have no answers, and if they don't find him against Carolina, which is still fully capable of, of making you look bad, but is also a team that's struggling offensively. Mike Shula is is really caught in between right now um, of trying to figure out, you know, what Cam Newton is, how much he, he can run, should he run, can he stay in the pocket. Teams are bringing a lot of blitzes on him. Um, they don't have Greg Olson. They haven't figured out what to do with Christian McCaffrey. And they've had two games, Tom, where they have not scored an offensive touchdown. No. Two no. games. Cam, so, Newton is, Cam Newton last week threw more touchdown passes to the Bears yeah, than Mitch, than Mitch Trubisky did, and more than he right. did to his own team. It is a team that struggled. Rick, here's the thing I don't get. A year ago, about this time, is when the Bucks defense started to yes. crank it up. Mm-hmm. I, was it smoke and mirrors? Was it, did they play bad offensive teams? Did they, were um, they doing something different? Was the, cause the personnel wasn't that different, right? No, the personnel was very similar, um, if not exact. I mean, Noah Spence, again, was playing with a harness. Right. I, what, what happened was, um, and I don't know that you can discredit them for this, but in, in reality, um, they got a lot of turnovers. They lived, they, they, they completely lived off turnovers in field position. You know, the, the offense was given short fields, but they went on a turnover run that was second, I think, in the NFL the second half of the season. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes they come in bunches, and it usually is the result of guys being in the right place and, and multiple players maybe being there and stripping the ball, intercepting the ball, that sort of thing. But um, if you remember, it kind of started with the Bears game. The, the Bucks were sort of up against the wall, and they came off, uh, you know, the bye week uh, or after the – I'm sorry, after the Thursday night game with Atlanta, they had a little mini bye. And Chris Conte, you know, intercepts Jay Cutler and runs it in for a pick six, and they were off. And then, you know, Conte had a huge interception at Kansas City, and it kind of got rolling just with, just with turnovers. They, they still gave up a ton of yards. They still weren't very good on third down. Um, you know, all the sort of the signs you see now, what's missing are a lot of those turnovers. And I don't know that they're just suddenly going to appear. I mean, if you go around, if you just go player to player, pimp to pimp, you're not going to find, you know, the guys playing the same way they did last year. I mean, you know, uh, Chris Conte isn't making any plays of yet. Um, uh, 
you know, Brent Grimes is kind of beat up with his shoulder now and hasn't practiced. Um, you know, Vernon Hargraves has gone backwards. He's gone in reverse. You, you know, Quan Alexander, you know, played a half and then he was out and then he played one game last week and he missed some tackles and I think he'll get better. Levante David was out and he's starting to hum a little bit. But there is no real engine to this defense right now. And that's the the scary part if you're Mike Smith is that you've already tried some some funky things, right? Some things that aren't what you're about and it didn't work. So now what do you do? Well, maybe Mike Smith can look at this say, thing and say six games. It's not as bad, and you've you've talked about this before. It's not as bad as it seems, maybe because right. probably in half of those games, the two games that they won, certainly the Chicago game, they played pretty good defense. I realize it was against a Mike Lennon run offense, but well, they got the they turnovers. Got, they got the turnovers. And they got pressure, and against the Giants, against Eli Manning, they got the turnovers, and even against Tom Brady, they yeah. picked them off, and they got the turnovers. And and in all three of those games, two of them they won, and the third right. one against New England, they were very competitive. Could have won. They had a ball in the last possession and held them to nineteen points. To win. Yeah, yeah, I held them to nineteen points, which you hold New England to nineteen points, you give yourself yeah. a pretty good chance. Uh, so maybe Mike Smith's look at this thing, saying, "Okay, it's not good lately, but it's not as bad as it seems. It's 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 fixable." Well, it, it's fixable if you have the players. And and again, I go back to you know. Is it the X's and O's or, you know, the Jimmy's and the Joe's? Because you don't have Noah Spence, who, again, even though he was one arm, still gave you something off the edge, five and a half sacks, which I think was second on the team last year. You know, um, you're just not getting anything. So I don't know why you would expect. And when I look at an older player like Robert Ayers or somebody like that, you know, that that didn't have a great year last year and seems to, to miss about five or six games, you know, when you get to be close to 30 years old, 30 years old, you, those guys, you can't you can't say, you know what, we're okay there. They're going to put together a year and give us 10 sacks. You just can't expect guys who have been injured and old to get better as they age. I mean, other than Tom Brady, that doesn't happen. So I, I think that they're really stuck, to be honest with you. I believe that for this team to win um, – they're going to have to really try to play complementary football. And what I mean by that is, is that they're going to have to protect their defense a little bit. In fact, Tom, I don't know if you realize this or not. Um, you know, last week when uh, we were in Buffalo, uh, you know, the Bills won the coin toss and deferred. Had right. the Bucks won the coin toss, they wanted the football. Sure. That's a change for Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter now recognizes, as as most of us do, that the strength of this team, and I can't believe I'm saying this in Tampa Bay, is the offense. It's not the defense. It's the Absolutely. offense. And Absolutely. they're going to have to dictate field position. They're going to have to try to um, ramp it up and, and be explosive like they were last week and, and score a lot of points. They didn't do it in the first half. Um, you know, But part of the problem on offense is the defense isn't getting you any turnovers, so you're having to drive at 75, 77, 80 yards every time you touch the ball. And in this league, that's very hard to do because you're talking about 12, 14, 13 plays without making a mistake, a penalty, a turnover, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so it's they're, they're, But they're just not getting any help, and I think they're going to have to play field position to help their defense. I think they're going to have to uh, maybe go for it sometimes on fourth down, you know, when they get in that sort of do you kick it, do you punt it type area. Or maybe Brian Anger can do a better job. He didn't do a good job last week of knocking it inside the, t- the 20-yard line. Um, but that's what it's going to take, I think, to, to tor- try to win games as a team. 
Absolutely. And offensively, how about a game where you come out and you score the first four? That would be nice, too. And and I look at you mentioned it just a minute ago, Rick. Look at this offense. Your quarterback was the first overall pick. Your running back was a first round pick. You have a wide receiver in Mike Evans, who was a first round pick. You just spent your last draft on a tight end with your number one pick. You went out and you just signed Deshaun Jackson, who was probably the prize free agent of the offseason. You spent high picks drafting offensive linemen. I mean, you've, you've basically dedicated a lot of what you're doing to the offensive side of the ball. And every time I look up, it's it's going to halftime, and they got three or six points. Yeah. Get it off to a fast start. Take some of the pressure off the defense. Then that's what has to happen, and, and I think you just defined why their defense isn't good. Everything you yeah. said there is is what really the first, or, or, you know, the first three drafts were under Jason Light. And I don't know if it's by design or just taking the best player, but certainly – and we're going to keep coming back to the Roberto Aguayo, who may kick for the Panthers this weekend. Wouldn't that be something? Actually, I think Graham Gano is going to, but Aguayo's on the practice squad for the Panthers. But it goes back to, you know, that pick and and, and just, you know, there are some organizations that, um, the Giants being one of them, that have a philosophy that you just keep piling on the defensive linemen. Like, you know, even though you've got O.C. Yamanura, you know, you you want to draft, you know, as many guys as you can. Right. Um, and bring in like for JPP years. Da- Dallas drafted offensive linemen, certain offensive right, linemen. Right. Right. I mean, there, there's just sometimes if you you know if you're going to stack things, you want to stack it that way. But the Bucks, you know, I, I mean, they haven't done it. I mean, this, you know, again, how far do you want to go back? You want to go back to Michael Bennett, who's still playing at a very high level. That you know, Mark Dominic decided, uh, who did draft a lot of defensive linemen, that Daquan Bowers needed his shot. So let's clear the decks. We're not going to sign Bennett to a one-year, $5 million contract. And he goes on to be, you know, a multi-Pro uh, uh, Bowl and, and Super Bowl champion. Um, you know, or you want to talk about all the failed picks before Jason Light got here um, at defensive end that didn't work out, like Bowers. I mean, that you know, those things start to pile up when you co- change coaches, when you bring in new players. And, and once they got Jameis Winston, it was built around this quarterback. And I can't blame them for that necessarily. And I would have to look and say, okay, who could they have had instead of O.J. Howard that plays defense? You know, who could they have had, um, you know, uh, instead of, um, you know, instead of their kicker, Aguayo? Uh, um, I'm sure there were guys that could have helped them, but they they didn't address the position. We're talking about two draft picks in four years, and one of those two, um, you know, is is uh, you know a defensive tackle from USC that was drafted in the seventh round. So I'm going to throw him out. Because right, most right. seventh rounders don't even make the team, he's on injured reserve. So that's so now you're down to what one one defensive lineman in Noah Spence, and you got unlucky because he has a chronic shoulder that pops out. Right. That's that's not bad luck. That's sort of bad planning in a way. They tried last year to give to stick up a little bit for Jace Light. They did address the defensive side of the ball last year when they drafted Vernon Hargraves, but sure. so far that's you know it's and and I I still think Vernon Hargraves is going to be okay, but. Um, but yeah, well, no. When you spend most of your time drafting offense and ignoring the other side of the football, you're gonna. It's no wonder that three years later you're really good offensively, or supposed yeah. to be good offensively, and not good. Well, the numbers would suggest you're really good offensively. I mean, you know, I, we were surprised, but like they're 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 ninth in touchdown, uh, you know, red zone efficiency, which I would have never guessed. Jameis is is clearly um, going to have a career year in terms of. Um, yardage and, and and maybe touchdowns and maybe the fewest interceptions. I mean, he's got four. He's thrown ten touchdowns, four interceptions. Three of them came in one game at Minnesota. So you know you're seeing all the signs. But as Jameis said, you know, to us, it's like 
you know, all of that's great. Those numbers, they they show you something, but the, the 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 what we don't have are wins. And I think they're very. I think. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Players... Um, I could be wrong about this. I, I think that in the beginning, um, you know, with all the hype and with all the weapons they've added and the weapons for Winston and all of this stuff, I, I think there was sort of this, you know, idea that, you know, I'm going to be the reason the Bucks win. You know, mm-hmm. Jameis has a certain idea of what he has to do for them to win. Deshaun Jackson had a certain idea of what he should be doing for them to win. And I'm not saying any of these guys are, are you know, are, are just selfish and ruining it. But a lot of times, you know, not everybody is willing to sacrifice their own numbers or be content with, with just playing their role. They want to be the reason you win. And I think at this point, you got a bunch of guys in there that have to buy into, hey, we got 53 players and this might not be your day. You may get no balls thrown at you. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we may run it 40 times, but you can have you know, all this pressure and, and, you know, I think, I think with the expectations comes the pressure to, to make them come true. And somewhere along the line, they've all worried about themselves and they've lost how to win football games. And the Bucks have to find out, even with the limited defensive resources they may have, how, what is their formula to win? How do they win? And as of yet, they haven't stumbled on that, but that you're right. They got about one or two weeks to figure it out. I think they do figure it out Sunday, Rick. I'm picking the the Bucks to win this game. It's sort of the wounded wounded animal philosophy. Yeah. I, yeah. They, they look like a team that's desperate. They look like a team that's circling the drain. And yeah. it's those games you're surprised that wow, I didn't see that game coming. I think that's going to happen Sunday, partly because I, I'm not crazy about Carolina. Carolina's starting to turn into who they I thought they were because I didn't have high expectations before the season about Carolina. And then the New England victory kind of threw me off a little bit. But now they're more like who I thought they were going to be. And I think the Bucks win this game on Sunday. I have no reason to pick them other than gut feeling. But they come out, they play well offensively, and just well, just well enough defensively, I think they win this game. Yeah, I think I, you know, we have to, we're told to pick games. Otherwise, I really don't enjoy it. But um, I think I had them I winning like some, something like 20. Well, that's fine. But I, <laughs> I kind of have a different job than you. But um, I have them winning 24 to 22. Um, I, I think, uh, I think I had I, like 24, 21. So we're it like was right very there. close then. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you, you have know, a guayo like kicking and missing two extra <laughs> points or what? No, um, I, that would, although that would be quite dramatic. I mean, I will say this, that it's good thing Graham Gano is healthy. I mean, he wasn't healthy enough to where they didn't sign Roberto Guayo to the practice squad, but the, the notion of what Jason Light would have to go through just oh as a gosh. human being, if Roberto Guayo <laughs> was lining up for a field goal to win the game and somehow made that thing, I would feel right. for everybody in the organization. But what's I don't interesting is like his crowning moment, his best moment as a pro, uh, Roberto Guayo was in, was against in Carolina. His team. Yeah. yeah, against Carolina. Even after he had missed some field goals in that game, and that was the one That's where true. 
you know, they ran it 10 straight game, 10, 10 straight times to start the game with Jacquez Rogers and 30 times overall, and they kind of took the ball out of Jameis's hands. Jameis has had the ball taken out of his hands on Wednesdays and Thursdays now during practice. This is his new normal. He'll throw again on Friday. They're trying to nurse that shoulder. It worked pretty well last week, so they're going with the same formula. Um, but, you know, you're still talking about a quarterback that's not entirely healthy despite the fact that he put up nearly 400 yards passing and three touchdowns. So I got him 24-21. You got him 24-22. It's a price is right type of <laughs> prediction there. That's right. Uh, Without going over. That, that's right. And we'll, we'll, we will do our podcast, by the way, Sunday night from Raymond James Stadium following the game. So we'll have that up first thing Monday morning. College football this weekend, Rick, Florida State and Boston College. That's uh, Friday night. Boston College is, if you look at their losses, pretty pretty good teams have beaten them. Clemson, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame. They also lost to Wake. But they did beat Louisville a couple of weeks back. Florida State's 2-4. and four. I'm going to go with Florida State. I think Jimbo figures this one out, and they, they go into Boston College. Although it's never fun. These Friday night games, like those feel like ripe for upset games because it's not a traditional Saturday afternoon game, you know? Yeah. Um, Florida State's better. It doesn't mean they're going to win. I I can't put my finger on you know I understand what's going on at Florida and 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 I mean my head tells me that you know you got a a 19 year old or you know true freshman trying to play at Florida State right who made an right. egregious mistake not handing the ball off uh, uh, should have should have not have handed the ball I don't know it's what that's gonna that make him better no, Jimbo says gonna make him a better football player you gotta make him a football player gonna be looking at it. but I don't think that that there that there I think there's something deeper there and I don't know what it is their defense has been a letdown. They haven't played. They haven't rallied around this kid. I, don't, I hate to put it all on him because I don't. I know that what happened last week might have been his fault. Um, so I'm not as you know. Nothing at this point would surprise me. But they're better than Boston College. I agree with you. I think they'll win. But boy, on a Friday night up there, weird things could happen. I have a theory about really good football programs like Florida State when they lose a couple of games early, and it's that they shut it down and they don't do it purposely. Purposefully, mm-hmm. uh, I think the coaches at that point don't drive as hard. The details are forgotten because after they, even after they lost to Alabama, and even after they lost Francois for the season, and they knew he was going to be out for the season, there still was talk about all oh, this defense is really good. They could get back to a college football playoff. They could end up playing Alabama. Then you come out, and you lose your next game, and then you realize. Two games into your season, your national championship hopes are gone. And the entire time the Jimbo's been there, they've been a national championship contender. And every player who plays there feels like every year they have a chance to win a national championship. And when that's gone by Labor Day, pretty much after Labor Day, then I, it's just human nature. Like, what are we playing for now? And I think it's that's what's happened. It's they're they're better than this. I I'm just guessing that they haven't put together put the the work in. Because deep down, they feel like they're not playing for anything. I think you just described what I hate about college football. And that is that there's a four-team playoff. And yes, if you lose to the right person early enough, and you're a team like Clemson, you can find your way back into that final four. But for the rest of them, it's you're, you, you know once you lose two, you know, if you're an elite program like Florida State or Michigan or one of these teams – you pretty much know, hey, we're going, you know, we're going to uh, to a, the Peach Bowl or whatever. I mean, it's if you make a bowl at all, you might be, right. in, you know, you might be in St. Petersburg. Um, so I, I, I think for kids that go to these programs with the expectation that they're going to play for a national championship, I don't think it's the coaches. I think the coaches put in the same work regardless. I really believe it's just trying to handle the biggest job in college versus pro. I think is would be, I mean. You've been around 18-year-old sons, 19-year-old sons, 20-year-old sons. Dude, I'm telling you, 
it, you know, you, you got to keep them motivated all the time, you know. And I just think that that those guys sort of lose the urgency, and you know, their mind wanders, and maybe they're looking at the girl in history class too long. I don't know. There are only there are only ten ten or maybe maybe not even that many schools this applies to. I'm talking about Alabama. I'm talking about Florida State. I'm talking about Michigan. I'm talking about Ohio State. That's right. And. If you're just a, a middle of the road, not middle of the road, but even if you're a slightly above average team, if you're a Texas A&M or if you're a um, uh, TCU. TCU or if you're in recent years, Penn State, if you're one of those teams, a really good season is going nine and three and nine and, and, and you're proud of that. And you're happy to go to a bowl game. But there are certain schools when if yep. you told them three games into the season, yep, you're, you're not playing for national championship this year. That's right. It's really hard to get up. I'm sure. Um, USF is undefeated. They're trying to get to a bowl game. They're going to lose, Rick. I'm telling you, something tells me they're going to lose before they get to UCF. <laughs> and I don't know what it Just is. Just keep saying it, I'm going to keep saying it every week. Because here's the thing. It's really hard to go undefeated, and you're probably going to be right. I, but it's it's about the way they're playing. There are certain teams. Like I'll, I'll go all in on Alabama. Can I do that? Alabama's sure. not losing. Yep. But but uh, but USF, I just don't like the way they're playing. But, but you know and, what? And, and, this is a good team. They're a decent team, Houston, that they're playing on. Yeah, Houston's done some things in the past, and the thing is is that I think what you're describing is just that's how they play. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's who they are, yeah, and they just they win win every game. I, I just think – I just yeah, I just think that they're offensive-driven, right? They know they're going to crank it up at some point. Um, they'll make some mistakes early. Their defense, you know, will probably give up a few scores, but they have the ability to come back. And that seems to be the pattern in most of their games. They're like, they, they don't just, very rarely do they just get on top of some team, you know, in the first half. That's happened a few times. But most of the time, they're either in a dogfight or they're trailing and they have to rally. But they, you look up, and, and Tom, they're the only team now that has gone over 30 points a game for, what, 27, 28 games. Something crazy, so yeah. That's sort of how they win. Interesting thing, I'm a big fan of ESPN's game day. They do not employ me, so, and I don't even know Kirk Kerbstreet or anybody. But I will say that this Saturday, um, I forget the young lady's name now that, that took over for Sam Ponder, but she went, she came to Tampa, and they're doing a story on Quentin Flowers. And, of course, you know his story is very tragic That's from great, a family yeah. standpoint, all the things that he had to overcome with uh, right. the losses in his life. And so that'll be something for USF fans to, you know, hey, get a little recognition for an undefeated team and the best player probably in the conference. I think we should start a, a campaign to get the USF, UCF, assuming they're both undefeated, uh, to College have a game, game day in Orlando. College game day in Orlando. You know, it might that happen. will I never have... happen. I don't know. Thanksgiving weekend, there's a ton of good games. There's Usually a few good games. Yeah, it's a rivalry week, Iron Bowl, and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, that's probably true. Yeah, but it'd be fun. Be fun. Florida, Georgia, Jacksonville, world's we're not allowed to say it anymore, right? World's largest cocktail party. I guess. Oh, well, you say can it say it. I can say it. I'm saying it. Uh, how bad will this get for Jim McElwain, and Rick, if Georgia goes in there and puts a hurting on him, like to the tune of like forty-five to seven or something? Yeah, don't give up fifty. Do not <laughs> give up fifty. Um, I would say that I, I'm going to predict that this game is going to be stunningly closer than anyone realizes. And I don't is have it, any, it's just a rivalry thing. Yeah, I I don't have anything to base this on other than everybody expects Florida to get the living, you know what, knocked out yeah. of them, and they might. Um, but uh, yeah, these games, these games sometimes being rivalry games take on their own feeling. And, and Florida is such a prohibitive underdog that if they do anything early, you know, maybe Georgia feels a little bit of pressure and it, and it keeps the game close. But they're going to lose, I, I would expect. And, and, and it's going to be 
You know, what a week for Jim McElwain, by the way. Oh, jeez. I mean, the sharks are circling. That's all I can say <laughs> is that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, this whole thing about death threats, and then now he comes out and says, you know, I probably shouldn't have said I got death threats, even though I, I did get death threats, but I don't have any proof that <laughs> I had death threats. And it's just, just been one big distraction, which maybe he intended it to be. I tend to agree with you. He was looking for the sympathy vote. And in fact, everybody went, hmm, is there something we could do with this? You know, like yeah, he's right. not supposed to be saying that. Right. Um, so I, it's just, oh, man, that, that it just doesn't that. That's a that's a program right now that can't get out of its own way. You mentioned that it could be one of those games that's closed unexpectedly. I covered one of those games between Florida and Georgia a few years ago when Trayon Harris was the quarterback. Yes. I think they threw the ball like nine times all game right. where he only completed like good five approach. passes. That'd and they ran approach. the ball up and down the field and played defense, played really good defense, right. and, and somehow got out of there with the win. I just think Georgia's way too good this year. They are this to, year. To allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, big game this weekend, Penn State, Ohio State. Uh, my Penn State Nittany Lions, they impressed me last week against Michigan. I didn't think they would win. I thought they would win, but not like that. I told you, dog. You got to I know, but I'm, I'm picking Ohio State in this game only because Ohio State is at home and they've had a week off. They're in the same spot that Penn State was a week ago against Michigan. They were coming off a bye week and they were at home. This Saturday, Ohio State's coming off a bye week. They're at home. I think they they take Penn State out. One day I'll try to explain to people the psychology of yours because I, I think I think you're kind of like you know my my heart says that Penn State so I'm going to go with my head you know. Well, um, I'm 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 just saying the the buy the home and I, I think, think Ohio State a, might be. Better. You know what a buy you know what a buy week is to college kids? More time to drink. On the yeah, weekend. but what is it for Urban Meyer and Greg well, Schiano? Yeah, but listen, can I ask you a question? Have you seen a coach make a tackle yet on Shaquan Barkley? Have you seen a guy come off the sidelines and say, no, I watch not. me, watch me not get juked but out you're of telling shoes. me that uh, you're telling me Nick Saban couldn't drop a game plan to stop Saquon Barkley. You, anyone can drop a game plan, but okay. So if you, st- if you stop Saquon, what's the quarterback going to do when we commit 11 guys? Well, Penn to State's a very good football team. I, That's I'm, my I'm point. Just, my, yeah. my point is, is that they're way too, people underestimate how good the quarterback is and how balanced they can be. You know, sometimes your best player is the isn't the guy getting the most yards that day, but he's still your best player and he's creating everything for everybody else. And I think that's how Penn State wins. Barkley is such a special player. Penn State is having a special year. Ohio State, their defense can be okay at times. Offensively, they struggle. They don't score enough points. Um, I know it's in uh, the horseshoe, um, and I know, you know, boy, give Greg Shiano and Urban Meyer next week. But I still – I still like Penn State. Penn State, to me, when you have the most exciting player in college football and you get that look, right? And we saw it last year. I mean, they, they should have maybe probably been in the Final Four. or Were they in the Final Four? They were, right? They were not. And they, ended they were up, not. That's right. They, they lost out to but Washington. They wound up losing. But I, don't, I just count that they, because they I think once good. you lose the disappointment of not being in the Final Four, that all the bowl games don't matter. Right. That's just my theory. I um, think you're right. But I think that, uh, especially that way, but but I think they just have that look of a team that's going to go and going to get in those in those championships. Perhaps even if they lose to Ohio State, I don't know what that would do to the standings. Somebody would have to beat the Buckeyes, and they have already, right? Don't yes. the Buckeyes have uh, one loss? They but that was to Oklahoma, and that right, game not was conference. not a so conference. Somebody game. else. But it was weird. Like last like, year, Ohio State did not. Ohio State lost to Penn State, mm-hmm. and Penn State went on to win the Big Ten title. But Ohio State ended up going to the to the final four anyway, so it's possible. It is possible. Yeah, I think to it's lose very that possible. game and still and still get back. I, and I think they win anyway. 
Well, thanks for everyone for listening. We are here each and every weekday. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast and NFL Stride at Tom W. Jones. Steve Verstick is our producer. Take care. Next time we talk to you, it will be from the press box at Raymond James Stadium. We'll record that Sunday night and have it up first thing Monday morning. So we'll talk to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 